360 degrees. Hop high, 360 degrees. Hop high, 306. 306. 360 degrees. Hop high. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program and broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as the Bay Area. And tonight, Full Circle honors Juneteenth for George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and oppressed people around the world. On tonight's show, we will hear sounds from protests that have been happening in Antioch and speak with one of the young organizers who is out there in East County organizing these protests. We'll also hear from Antioch City Council member Lamar Thorpe, who proposed to the Antioch City Council an ad hoc committee on police reform only to be voted down. Later, we'll get an update on some of the monuments that have been coming down in Sacramento and around the country. All that and more tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, Freewill and Franklin. Keep it locked right here to KPFA. Again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices from the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. I am your host tonight, Freewill and Franklin. Well, today is Juneteenth, June 19th. This day commemorates the date in 1865 when enslaved Africans of Galveston learned that they were actually freed two years earlier with the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation. Tonight, we will honor the spirit of Juneteenth by bringing you some news from the streets. All across America, people are uniting to say enough is enough and that it's time for some real change. Even smaller cities and communities are not immune to the uprising and the demands of the people for this systemic change. We'll start off tonight with some sounds from Antioch, California, and some of the protests there led by youth organizers. All my people, can you see? All my people, can you see? We're just dying to be free. We're just dying to be free. Nothing is happening to my kids, then everything is good. 
And I can never do that because I consider every young person of color and especially every young black man and every young black woman to be my son and my daughter. And so when George Floyd said, mama, he was calling to me. He was calling out for me. He was calling to me to step up as a black mama and do something. As a black woman first to do something. I know we have elected officials here who said, show up to city council meetings. Yes, definitely, because it's crickets up in there. And the only people who are there is the police and the white racists in this community who get what they want when we don't show up. Because I've been there. They say, show up to the city council meetings. I venture to say, don't just show up, run. Run against their ass because they represent us and we should not have this going on in our community. You heard all of these people mention all of these police officers' names today. They're still on the payroll, still getting pension, still getting retirement. That's happening here. You have police officers leaving other cities because they face facing disciplinary action and they come into police here. They come in here and we're letting them come here. We also need to step up and deal with the situation of race in this community. You don't know how hurt I was when I heard some of the racist that was being said just about this many protests today and things before it, and it really hurt me. You have young, powerful women here wanting to leave, but they're afraid to say their own name because they don't know what's going to happen to them or their families. That should be unacceptable in this community. We are dope. 
Welcome back. This is Full Circle on 94.1 KPFA. And those were some sounds from protests led by youth activists out here in Antioch. All around the country, city governments are starting to have serious discussions about what they are putting into police budgets and what services are actually being neglected. And again, the city of Antioch is no exception. Up next, we'll hear an update from Lamar Thorpe of the Antioch City Council on the proposal he put forward an ad hoc committee on police reform. Antioch is no stranger to cases of people dying in custody. In fact, in 2015 and 16, two black men were killed by asphyxiation, and in both cases, officers were cleared of wrongdoing and remained on the force. This is myself and Lamar Thorpe discussing his proposal for an ad hoc committee on police reform. All right, welcome Lamar Thorpe back to KPFA. How you doing? Doing well, Frank. Thank you for having me again. Now, let's just jump right into it because you've been out in the streets in the protest around Antioch. Let me start by letting you address the critics that say you are taking advantage of the situation to boost your political career. 
Uh, why is it important for you personally to be on the streets out there with the protesters? <laughs> well, if their theory is correct that uh, what I'm doing is wrong, uh, then I'm committing political suicide. So the reality is I shouldn't waste two seconds of your time or my time addressing the critics because the reality is that 90% of Antioch residents approve with Black Lives Matter and approve with local uh, governments taking a look at their police policies. And tell us what you're actually proposing uh, to the city council, this ad hoc committee on police reform. I see right now a lot of pushback in some of our online forums that deal with local issues. Some saying decisions will be made um, by, by a select few behind closed doors. Kind of explain what you plan on doing with this ad hoc committee so people understand, you know, community input, who's involved. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, ad hocs is a basic function of the city council, uh, you know, and another basic function of a city council is policymaking. We, on a regular basis, uh, modify, review, and develop new policies for all of our departments. I'm not an engineer, but I create engineering policy. I'm not a city planner, but I create uh, policy around, uh, uh, around new developments for our community. That's our job in a democratic uh, society. This is how it works. And that also does not exclude the police department. So committees are ad hocs. They have no real power other than to examine and provide recommendations to the full council. There is no power ability within an ad hoc. There have been talks that this is an oversight committee similar to uh, uh, the, the oversight committee commissions in Oakland, San Francisco, Richmond. This is not what this is. This is an ad hoc committee that looks at policy reviews it, and if there are recommendations to be made, we make them to the full council. The composition that I wish it has, and I called for this in my press release and in, to the public, is that it include, uh, of course, the two council members, uh, but more importantly, uh, police leadership, police unions, and community activists who have a stake in this discussion. And so it's probably one of the most, uh, it'll be one of the most collaborative uh, in nature. I've done two of these uh, ad hocs now, the Homeless Encampment Task Force, which you participated in some of those uh, meetings, and the Youth Services uh, Task Force. They're all public meetings. They're all on, there's video about them everywhere. We did panels, we did workshops, we had, uh, we had youth participate and, and, and do small groups. I don't know how more collaborative I could be. All right, and well, many of the kids on the streets of Antioch protesting today that I've spoken to and people around the country are asking for more than the eight can't wait and are calling for defunding of police. Can you assure young people and people like myself who have suffered violence at the hands of police that myself, people like me and those kids will have a voice in the ad hoc committee and how would that work? Uh, they, everybody will have a voice if you participate, but you have to participate and all the committee meetings will be open to the public and you'll be able to, uh, you know, I want to take a global approach and then bring it on down to Antioch so that we're all kind of on the same page as to why we even got to this moment. Uh, but it's going to require participation. Showing up and demonstrating uh, is one thing, but showing up and rolling up your sleeves to actually do the work that is going to be required in these uh, ad hocs is a different story. So I want to see that level of commitment that I see on the streets uh, in the uh, in the space for for this ad hoc, so people that are saying that this is behind closed doors or this is going to be made by a small group of people could actually themselves uh, show up to some of these committee meetings and participate. Uh, you know, yes, they can. And, and again, I don't want to waste my time with the people who don't know what they're talking about or who, and who are frankly on the wrong side of history. 
Uh, but I want to assure every resident who agrees with this, which is probably more than 90% of the people of Antioch, uh, that uh, they will have a voice. They can participate. And I've, you know, I've always done my ad hocs, Frank, in a way where even if you can't make the meetings, they're still on Facebook Live so you can participate from your job, from your home if you're busy. You can still put on headphones and take some time. And, or even when they're up, and, they're up uh, after they've been filmed live, you can go back and listen to them yourself and still provide feedback. So there's, also, there's lots of ways to participate. <laughs> there will be more than one way to participate. And take us a little deeper into the committee. How would um, victims or families of victims of police violence get to participate? Are you going to have like um, breakdown sessions, like you said, where they just kind of like um, discuss, you know, random ideas about maybe defunding, reallocating money, um, well, social work instead of in, police? In my proposal, I had five areas that I wanted to look at. Demilitarization of police, because I think that's something that, that everybody is talking about. So we should take a look at it as well. Uh, I've also talked about budget appropriations. I've talked about um, use of force. Uh, I've talked about... Um, improving the hiring process and of course increasing police accountability so those five to me are the tenants that we're going to the frame that we're going to look at uh and how we get there from the global picture will be something that once the committee is formed we'll we'll have to kind of we'll have to kind of prepare for it's almost like preparing for for a course <laughs> there has to be planning uh and so those logistics will will work out as we get there and it's going to involve it's going to have to involve the chief of police and, and some of our police folks because you know, this, they're the ones with this type of information. And uh, I'm hoping that the city attorney uh, will uh, house this committee within his office so that he staffs it so we have kind of an independent arbiter watching this entire process. Well, after you've made your announcement about um, wanting to create this committee, you've gotten some blowback from um, the police chief actually issued a statement that said they're already implementing uh, most of the eight can't wait and also the police officers association has said actually put a call out for people to come out and say that um, we don't need this um what would you say to i mean to me it's kind of ridiculous because we all know we need it so bad but what would you say to um them that they put this call out to speak against it and um and just your views on the police officers association and how they operate around this so uh, the chief put out a statement uh, about what he was doing in terms of uh, the eight can't wait, and he was working on some of those, some he doesn't agree with. Uh, my stance is very clear. I agree with all eight, and so I've called on him to implement them. That's it. So we have a difference of opinion. That's fine. And uh, in terms of uh, him opposing, it's not his job to oppose. I don't think he's opposed the, the formation of the committee. He's our employee. He works for the city council uh, through, his, uh, through his boss, the city attorney. So... Uh, once we establish this, he'll be working with the committee. He doesn't have a choice. Second, in terms of the APOA, the police union here locally, they can do whatever they want. They're a free agency, they, a free uh, organization. You know, we'll have a difference of opinion. Uh, how they structure themselves, what they do, and what they speak about uh, is their business, not mine. What I do find offenses, offensive is their uh, president uh, calling me shameful for what he believes is in my heart. He doesn't know what's in my heart. He doesn't know what it is to grow up as a black man in America. He doesn't understand that. So for him to s sit there and chastise me about the implications of my skin color, shame on him. Now, the we're speaking. It's Monday. We're pre-recording this for the show Friday. And the city council meeting is tomorrow. Let's say that the city council does not vote this in. What would you like citizens to do that 
still say we need this and um, they need the city council to change? Well, there's an, an election this November and you'll have to figure out who you need to vote out. And that'd be the best way get them out. <laughs> that is exactly the best way. Listen, Frank, the reality is Antioch is a majority people of color community. That's what it is. For 10% of the population to dictate what happens in the city is ridiculous. Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 KPFA. You just heard a short update about the city council considering an ad hoc committee on police reform being put forward by city council member Lamar Thorpe. At the time of this recording, just about midnight Thursday night, after two special meetings over three days and nearly seven hours of public comment from about 700 citizens of Antioch, the Antioch City Council voted down the ad hoc committee and opted instead for trying to hold special town hall type meetings. I will keep you updated and I will say that I am disappointed in the council's decision. We'll have to keep an eye on what's happening next. Well, let's take a short break, and when we return, we'll hear from the young people, or at least one of them, who are organizing some protest out here in Antioch. But first, this poem was read by a young woman on the steps of the Antioch police station during the recent protests. This poem is titled Amazing Grace. I wrote it a few days ago. It is hard to laugh today. Every smile feels like betrayal. Every drop of happiness feels like the last. It is hard to laugh today. Each breath feels like cheating. How can I inhale when I know George and Eric aren't? How can I laugh when being black is the joke? How can I dance when the floor is made of our bones? How can I protest when I know America wants me dead? This is why I learned how to whisper before I ever learned how to yell for help. I do not say this proudly, but I say this knowing that there are people in this world that would rather I die quietly than live loudly. So it is hard to laugh today. Some days I do envy the ignorance of children. Other days I hope I never have any. I know for some that is a horrible thing to wish, but when you know your child will inherit your color, how is it not admirable to be willing to sacrifice your legacy so that your blood will never have to hang from a tree? If I have a child, I'm afraid I won't know what to say when my daughter looks up at me with stars in her eyes and says, Mommy, when a white man in a blue uniform spills red blood on the pavement, why doesn't America call it murder? I'm afraid I won't have the courage to tell her that the hue of her skin isn't light enough for them to care. I'm afraid she won't understand until she sings Amazing Grace at her brother's funeral. And I'm afraid I'll have to sing Amazing Grace at hers. My brother is getting taller now. He is almost 14. Every year on his birthday, I set fire to a handful of soil this is my way of begging God that if something brown and growing must die this year, let it be this soil. I don't have the words to start a revolution, but I'll be damned if my brother doesn't live to see one, so I wrote this poem. I wrote it because if my last name is ever turned into a hashtag, this is my way of praying that it be because of this poem and not because my family tree has lost another leaf. I've been singing Amazing Grace since I was eight, 
I love the way it always made me feel big. The day I heard about Breonna Taylor, I sang Amazing Grace, but, but I felt small. Felt like this song was all I had to give. Felt like nothing was amazing or graceful about a woman asleep in her bed, waking up to a sound, not a sweet one, but the sound of her door being broken down, only to be blinded by a spray of bullets. Nothing had her name on it, but they murdered her anyways. Nothing had her name on it, but they got away with it anyways. So what do you do when grace leads you home? Because when your home is black body, not even your house is safe. Thank you. Welcome back. This is Full Circle on 94.1 KPFA and kpfa.org. That was a poem recorded during a youth protest at the Antioch police station just last week. And being a resident of Antioch and also a survivor of police violence at the hands and the boot of the Antioch PD, I must say I'm very proud of these young people for taking a stand. Antioch has a long history of police corruption and killings. Some of the more recent and notable killings occurred in custody without shots fired. In 2015, Rakim Rux called the police on himself for mental health reasons. When the police arrived, they handcuffed him and then said he began to struggle. After slamming him to the ground with his hands cuffed behind his back, officers piled on him and held him down in the dirt till he died, saying, I can't breathe. A year later, in 2016, Wendell Celestine was killed by police at the end of a dark downtown road when he was put in a chokehold until he died. The coroner's report said he died of asphyxiation, but Wendell's death was ruled an accident. More recently, the Antioch Police Department hired Michael Malone. Malone resigned under investigation as a San Francisco Police Department officer for the 2016 killing of Luis Gangora, a homeless Guatemalan immigrant. Many residents of Antioch have expressed their outrage to the city council, and the young people of Antioch have taken up the fight to have Officer Malone fired. While I was out supporting their movement, I made some connections with the youth activist. Yesterday, I spoke with one of them about her decision to hit the streets. This is 2020 high school graduate Zoe, one of the young organizers. All right, this is Freewell and Franklin back here on Full Circle. And joining me now is one of the youth activists that has been organizing protests out here in Antioch. And her name is Zoe. And she has been in the middle of this out here in Antioch. And these are protests that this little sleepy town has really never seen before. Um, welcome to KPFA in full circle, Zoe. Thank you for having me. So we could see around the country and basically around the world right now, uprisings are uh, popping up due to the this horrible murder of George Floyd. What was it that got you and your friends out in the streets this time? Um, the George Floyd incident was definitely devastating. Um, I think the the thing that stood out the most was when um, George Floyd called for his mother. And um, 
the cop still persisted and just had his knee laying on his neck and um, suffocated him. And so that that was pretty um, powerful, that incident, and got a bunch of people upset. And um, we wanted to come out and support the Black Lives Matter movement. And I participated in one of the protests that you organized from the high school to the police station. And I had never seen a crowd marching down the streets of Antioch like that before. And you all actually blocked the intersections for um, eight minutes and 30 something seconds in honor of um, the time that that officer was on George Floyd's neck. Talk about some of the organizing that you've done out here and kind of like how it's got you felt to see the crowd that actually showed up. Yeah. Um, I, we organized that March, um, calling to calling for action for a particular officer that works for the Antioch police department. Um, the officer, Michael Maloney, um, worked for the San Francisco police department, shot and killed, um, a mentally unstable homeless man and um, as he was facing repercussions for his actions, he just transferred um, police stations and now is working in Antioch. And so I shared that story with friends and they shared it and it just became kind of a bigger, um, a bigger story that people knew about and people were upset and wanted to do something about it. So um, we decided to have a protest and um, we called for the officer Michael Maloney to be uh, removed and face consequences. And we, we did block the intersection for um, eight minutes and 40 seconds for George Floyd in honor of his, um, in honor of him. Well, Antioch is um, quite a, a quiet conservative town. Have you been hearing any, um, negative feedback about your protests from people in the city or what have you been hearing about your actions? Yeah, of course. Um, I'd just like to give some background on the city of Antioch. Um, it's on the outskirts of the Bay Area and it's a sleeper town. So people come out here to live because it's cheaper and they commute to the city, Oakland and San Francisco. Um, and recently in the past few years, there's been um a recent like shift in in demographics where there's been a lot of black and Latino folks who can't afford to um, live closer to San Francisco and they've come out to the suburbs and there's been a, a very um, prevalent like kind of resistance from the white folks who, who have lived out here before there was a, a move. So I've heard comments like, um, you're not doing anything by protesting. You need to go out and vote and just vote for more um, reform and try to like kind of deflect um, the situation. But yes, definitely. There's a lot of deep seated um, racism in Antioch just right under the surface because it was, it was a very um, not diverse city. Yeah. Um, yes. Antioch used to be known as what they would call a sundown town, which meant if you were a person of color that you weren't allowed to be out after sundown without permission. And if you were caught mm -hmm. out after sundown, you might pay a, a, a price with your, your safety. Well, um, yeah. what about some of the good things? What have you heard about um, from some of the people that participated and joined in? What was some of the good feedback that you got? Um, 
people um people are fired up people are ready for more they want to keep fighting for what's right because we haven't seen much change there's been um, an investigation now on this officer michael malone since we brought it to the city's attention with the protest but people want to see see more they want to see um Malone actually faced consequences for his actions, and they want to see a defunding of the Antioch Police Department because there have been many um, people who have come to these protests who have shared their stories, their personal stories of how the officers in the Antioch Police Department have personally harassed them and their family members. And so people are, are feeling a sense of like liberation that that there's young folks coming out to to fight for what's right because it's been it's been a while you mentioned the word voting and one of our city councilmen lamar thorpe is putting forward Mm -hmm. a request to the city council which they'll be voting on tonight supposedly Mm -hmm. to bring a ad hoc police reform committee and also lamar thorpe is kind of pushing the eight can't wait which also got a reaction from the chief of police here, Tammany Brooks, who says he disagrees with a couple of them and he's already implemented a few of them. What would you like to see the city do um, with defunding and reallocating the funds? I know me and you were at the, the homeless encampment on Wilbur and we watched as, you know, hundreds, um, thousands of dollars were being spent, you know, over $50,000 were being spent in manpower heavy machinery, multiple vehicles, um, trailers, dump trucks, a tractor. So what is it with this? Um, let's just start with the reallocation and the refund, the defunding of the police. What do you see? Uh, what's your vision for something like that? Yeah, ultimately, our group wants to eventually abolish the police. We definitely don't need a police presence in, in where we live, but as for now, we are um, supporting this reform in Antioch for the reallocation of the general fund budget to be reallocated to um, social services for homeless folks, possibly extracurricular activities for students, um, activities of their choice, a better community center, just anything other than police, because we, we really think it's important for the um, police in our city to be defunded because they, they're not doing a good job. And kind of tell me what you were thinking when you saw the homeless encampment being broke up. Cause to me, when I was there, I felt helpless. Um, I watched grown mm-hmm. man cry um, because of his belongings were being thrown away. I watched people's yeah. stress levels be out the roof because they, they had only moments, um, a couple of days to clear out their stuff. And besides, we're living in this shelter in place and they were told to go there. So talk about the emotions that you felt when and the, the helplessness you may have felt like I did when you just we couldn't really stop anything. But we were really bearing witness. What were you feeling at that time? Yeah, it was it was pretty um, alarming and enraging. And that's why I documented, I took a lot of videos to show people, this is exactly why we need to defund the police. These cops are coming out here to these homeless encampments um, with all these men um, armed and all these big trucks and expensive equipment spending upwards of $50,000 in a couple of hours, tearing up um, an 
actual people's belongings. And while these these homeless folks, they need they need social workers, they need services um, to come out and uh, help them. They got these cops um, in big vehicles taking all their stuff, robbing them. And um, it was it was very it was very sad, and I did feel hopeless. But um, we got to keep we got to keep fighting for what's right. So hopefully, people can can see this going on and they can want to help too and want to support the defunding of the police so people could see like I hope people can see what the police are actually spending their their money on things that are that are terrorizing the community these homeless folks don't need cops to come out and destroy and steal their belongings they need social workers and that's why we need to defund the police and reallocate funds all right. And Zoe, I didn't um, ask you about yourself before we let you go, because we're about to run out of time. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? How old are you? You know, start there. Yeah, I'm an Antioch High School um, alumni. Um, I'll be going to college in the fall studying computer science and just uh, a concerned citizen, I would say, in Antioch. Now I'm older. The sports are off. So I'm kind of like getting a, a new view of um, what's going on in my community. I'm not like distracted by, by school anymore. I just see it, um, see everything for what it is. And it's, you got a lot of fixing to do. It's, it's bad. That's right. And um, I'm hoping to be there to support you all, the young people rising up. Is there happen to be a place where people can follow what's going on with you guys out here in Antioch? Yes. Um, for more information, I can give you an Instagram to follow where we'll be posting more like calls to action, um, protests and um, petitions you can sign to help um, get these reform policies passed. Um, it's defund Antioch PD on Instagram. You can follow and they will be posting um, the protests in the East Bay specifically in Antioch to fight against police brutality. All right, Zoe, we really appreciate your time. And I will just say personally, it's great to see the young people rising up out in Antioch. I'm very proud of you all. And I look forward to continuing to support in how I can through media, through my presence with you all. And um, I just want to thank you uh, as a young person for rising up like this. Thank you. All right, and we will also have a link posted to that Instagram page on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show. Zoe, thanks again for um, speaking with us tonight. Thank you. Welcome back. You are listening to Full Circle on KPFA. That bit of music you just heard was Hell You Talking About by Wonderland. We will put a link to that video on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. And before the music, you heard my interview with Zoe 
a young organizer out here in Antioch, who, with some of her young friends, have been organizing protests and speakouts at the Antioch High School and the police station. And remember, if you want to keep up with what's going on with the young people out here in Antioch, you'll want to follow Defund Antioch PD on Instagram. That's Defund Antioch PD on your Instagram. And of course, we will have a link to that Instagram on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show. There you will also find a short video of some of the protests that have been happening in Antioch produced by Chris Smiley. Well, that kind of wraps it up for me and my local politics and protest of Antioch. But be sure to tune in July 3rd when we will have a 30-minute youth roundtable on policing and defunding the police. We will also be having a special conversation with feminist writer Max Dashu that evening. That's July 3rd, so be sure to tune in. Well, moving on with the recent uprising around the country, police reform and the defunding of police departments is not the only thing making the news. There has also been a renewed effort to remove racist statues and monuments around the country and around the world for that matter. Protesters in Minneapolis toppled a statue of Christopher Columbus and right here in California just yesterday. The statue of Columbus was removed from the Coit Tower site in San Francisco. And in Sacramento, the statue of John Sutter was removed from outside the Sutter Medical Center. Sacramento city officials have also pledged to remove the Columbus statue from the state capitol building. Up next to shed some light on this topic is Michael Ramirez of the Madu people. I spoke with him yesterday. All right, greetings. This is Free Will and Franklin, and now we're going to turn our attention to the monuments that have been coming down around the country, and um, in particular right here in the, na- uh, the state capital of Sacramento. And joining us to talk about this is Michael Ramirez of the Madu um, people. And uh, welcome to Full Circle, Michael. How are you doing tonight? Hey, Tanani. Hey, Tanani. Nikki Heskum, Yankakar, Michael Ramirez, Nikki Heskum, Koyankawi, Madam, Winton, Miwok, Yurok, and Hoopa. Hello, hello. Uh, I'm doing well tonight. Uh, that's a traditional greeting in uh, my language. And um, I'm uh, honored to be here tonight to talk about uh, the news. <laughs> the news, yes. Well, let's talk about that. Well, monuments are coming down uh, across the country. And indeed, actually, it's going uh, global. It's happening around the world right now at this moment. Here in what is now called the United States, many uh, were Confederate monuments or statues that have come down, and some even depicting Christopher Columbus. And some have been toppled, actually, by protesters, and some have actually been removed, actually, by local authorities or the government or the private owners. So... We as Native Americans have been fighting for the removal of monuments that shine a bad light, let's put it lightly, on us uh, for many years. And we could see at this time there's this tremendous momentum. So let me just ask, how are you feeling as you see these monuments come down at this moment? Uh, Emotional, to say the least. I actually uh, work across the street from the monument at the... uh, California State Indian Museum, 
and which is adjacent to the uh, Sutter's Fort. It's all the same property. My family, Konkau Maidu and the Nisanon Maidu, were actually captured in, and put to work to uh, continue the work on what is now Sutter's Fort. And it was, to say the least, a heartwarming sight to see all the Native sisters and brothers out there cheering for the removal and to hear our songs and to smell the medicine being burned to get rid of this effigy of hatred. And it was hours later that it really hit me, the significance and the gravitas of what just happened. An elder told me that it was tantamount to seeing the uh, murderer of her grandson being brought to justice. And for me, it was just an actual action, not just an apology like the governor gave us a year ago with no action, but movement, uh, a physical example that the story that I grew up hearing, the stories that so many other of my ilk have had to grow up knowing in, in the shadow of statues that pretty much exemplify that we don't exist anymore, at least into their mindset. That's why this is so impressive, that this isn't just this thing about the, the marred history of California, the marred history of America with what is often referred to as the original sin, which is slavery, which I like to think there's something before that, but that there's this belief and honoring, if you will, of the story of those that have died, those that died in that fort, those that died in the later coming years of the inhabitants of that fort, of what that fort stood for. Well, let's talk about... uh, That was the beacon. Let's talk about John Sutter a little bit because people really don't know um, yes. what kind of person John Sutter was or what he did. They only know the glorified version. In fact, I went to a school called Sutter Elementary School. Um, a, we're going to start working on this here. And um, I had no idea what kind of person he was. And me, as a mixed-blood um, Indian kid, you know, I was going to that school and never once was told about um, the atrocities that commit. So real quickly, um, what kind of person was John Sutter to the local Indians. I, I searched for my in my mind and in the history to to the equivalent, but there is none. He was he was a slave catcher. He was a pedophile. He was a murderer. He tortured. He was a thief. He was a horrible businessman. A negligent father. He came to California escaping taxes. Let's, let's just start there. Being of Swiss heritage, he denied his Swiss heritage and claimed German to join in the German wagon trail heading to California. He came to California, and, and so Sutter enslaved or captured several children and then offered, and, and, and this is the most hilarious part, offers them their children's safe return if they come and work for him. Now, this is referred to by some of the historians as payment. And I've heard it spoken that he paid his natives. Well, that's how he paid them, was to let their children live and to return them. 
But he did return all the children, especially some of them little girls. So then he demolishes and destroys the land around him with the cattle and the horses, which destroyed countless species of grasses that made beautiful baskets, made beautiful tones of colors that we will never see again. Well, and he uh, continues to bring people. Now, with the Spanish government's assistance and their weaponry, he, he was able to apprehend and, and control these natives. And because their land had been destroyed, their food source had been destroyed, they had become dependent on, on Sutter. Wow, there's so much history that we just don't know about John Sutter. And the reason we're talking about John Sutter is because tell us about what happened earlier this week when the monument uh, was removed from outside the Sutter Medical Facility. Well, it all happened very immediately. This group, the uh, Statewide Coalition Against Racist Statues, had set up events all week. We were going to start with... um, Sutter, that our main target was Columbus. And before we could gather and have our action, the hospital decided to just simply remove it on their own. And luckily, due to my um, job there, I was able to report that it was happening and get um, people down there, which then brought the news. They were trying to do this undercover. They were trying to do it very quietly. And so he was brought off his pedestal and that plaque that had such a raving review of him was removed as well. And next is uh, the statue of Columbus inside the state Capitol. Uh, What is happening with that? That I know from what I've read that there, the floor decided had voted to remove it. So it is being removed. So uh, I am hearing rumblings from the, the Native community that the Historical Society is trying to um, fight that. Wow. Well, let's talk about this real quickly about what do you say to the argument that people say when we remove these monuments that we're removing our history and that we're going to be in danger of forgetting our history? What would you say to people that bring that argument up and how would you like to see the history actually preserved well it's laughable it is simply laughable due to the fact that these statues columbus in particular exemplify history that never truly existed it evades the actual history and the terror that was thrust upon the native peoples columbus never made it to the americas the only reason that there's a columbus day in the first place is because of the racism that was being faced by the Italian community, the German community, and the Japanese community during World War II. A group lobbied to get this day proclaimed because they wanted their story, the Italian people who were being affiliated with Mussolini, fascism, that they wanted to separate themselves from that and in fact indoctrinate themselves into the American ethos, which is false. If you really want to discuss this, Hannibal Voyage, Columbus, was funded by the Spanish government. So it's Spain's victory to make this voyage, not Italians. 
he sold out his kingdom to the Spanish government to make this trip. Everything that he was going to gain, all the people that he stole off the island, all the Tejano people, they were given to Spain. But because he was Italian, though he sold out his community, he sold out his kingdom, is exemplified as this great ex- He got lost. <laughs> he got, I know. Okay, well, we're running out of time, but I want to just get you real quick on where you came from tonight. Tonight, they're talking about another um, monument that has to go, and a lot of us might be familiar with it because recently the... The man was declared a saint by um, one of the popes, and that would be Hanipero Serra, who was basically a terror to uh, California Indians as he created the mission system up the coast. Talk about what happened tonight and what you guys talked about in relation to the Hanipero Serra monument. That, that statue is, again, a one, one of these icons of terror that we as Native people are forced to to be in the shadow of. He did such horrible things in the name of God. And he's exemplified as a saint. To hear some of the people, now my girlfriend, her, she's Luceno. Now they, they came from the missions. They were one of the people that were captured. We, my people had Sutter, her people had Sarah. And to hear what happened to the people in the, in these missions, the children being tortured, the mechanisms of rape that were put into place to groom girls to a certain age, to separate them, to to do these things, to, to teach the men to hate themselves because of the torture that was implemented on them for speaking their language, for trying to maintain a connection to the thousands of years that preceded them. It was disgusting. And he was at the center of it. He implemented rudimentary projects to see how much he could torture these Native children, these Native women. He thought of unscrupulous actions to perpetrate the cat around them, the thing that brought them so much life he used this as a weapon on them. Could you just imagine the, the whipping with a cactus for not wanting one of the soldiers to rape your, your sister? The public torture that implemented in the presidios of these houses of God. It was ungodly. The stories that I know of the torture came from his own friends, other friars, soldiers who cataloged the amounts of fingers that were were count, were collected. There was stories from other priests who had to leave because the sight of a child being disemboweled will haunt them forever. That's right. And I'm gonna and these are, I'm gonna post some links right. to uh, these stories that were not told on our website after the show tonight, which is kpfaapprentice.org. And I will also link to the um, SCARS um, Facebook page, which is 
the state coalition against racist statues. And I will post a link to that. And, um, you know, really we, we are seeing the changing times right now. And I think we need to keep this momentum up and I'm hoping that we get that Hinipero Sarah out of there. I also am a Liseno Indian and it's ingrained into our culture down there, the mission and the bell. And it amazes me how ingrained Catholicism is into my tribe. So, uh, Michael Ramirez, mm. we, uh, thank you again for bringing, uh, some of this information to light and we'll follow the story of these local monuments to see what happens. Definitely. Definitely. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. All right. Welcome back. You're listening to full circle right here on KPFA 94.1 FM and kpfa.org and we're coming to the end of the show tonight you just heard my interview with Michael Ramirez of the Konkau Madu people sharing his feelings about the removal and the toppling of some of these terrible monuments around the country to learn more about the true history of people like John Sutter Christopher Columbus and Hinipero Serra please visit our website kp faapprentice.org just after the show and we will have some links there for you to check out. Also, we will link to the SCARS Facebook page. That's the Statewide Coalition Against Racist Statues. Okay, this is about it for me. Our executive producer is Miss M. Our technical director is myself, Free Will and Frank Sterling. I have also been your host tonight. Joy Moore is our production consultant. And that wraps it up for me. Everyone out there, please, please protect your health and your humanity. And also stay tuned. Up next is La Onda Bajita. Peace. Peace.